Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Dental Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Arias. And in this episode, I'm speaking with Dr. Brad Dykstra. The first time you do something, you're probably not going to do it well. Second time, you might do it better. And I mean, it's, I don't care if it's learning to sail, learning to golf, whatever. Not too many people start out at the top. So, but if you don't start, you're not going to grow. But it's basic systems. Okay, this is our financial system. This is how we answer the phone. These are how we do our notes. That part you can make pretty consistent. But each office does, to a degree, have its own culture. And we've learned the hard way trying to make everybody more the same. And we're going back more to in-office stuff. Again, using the same systems, but recognizing each location, each office has its own flavor. So you put up guardrails, but not so narrow that they can't be themselves either. Brad has a ton of advice, knowledge, and experience to share with you in this episode. I mean, he slowly grew his uh, initial practice, and now he owns a lot of practices. In 1994, he moved to a larger building, uh, one with 22 ops, and uh, he kept continue to grow and scale. He formed an official DSO in 2018, and I believe he opened his third practice just like right before COVID happened, right before the shutdown occurred. But it wasn't all easy, as you can imagine. In 2008, one of his offices burned down. So he gives us the details and the backstory on all that and what occurred. And now he has more offices that are up and running. In total, I believe he has seven practices. And something interesting is he has a centralized office uh, for all his practices. So he gives us details on how he created and runs that. I mean, he has a full-time HR person. And then their call center uh, the the centralized office, it's actually called the engagement center. So listen in on how he created that and how he runs that whole part of his uh, practice, his whole part of his DSO. He also lets us know uh, what's his criteria, what he's looking for when acquiring a practice. Because you're going to hear it. You're going to hear like a pattern throughout this episode on what he specifically looks for and what would be an absolute no for him and why. So he talks to us about that. He currently has about 100 employees in total. So he talks to us about how he he manages all of them, how he works with them, and what he looks for in his uh, culture and things like that. He also lets us know how scaling is different than just building one practice. And this is something we kind of try and do, right? Like we, we build one practice and then we're ready for the next practice. And then we're like, why is it different? Why is this not happening like how it happened before? So he breaks down how we can scale a practice properly. And he also lets us know uh, the critical systems you need to have in your practice and understand how each office has its own flavor. So don't try and copy and paste every single thing from practice number one to practice number two. It's not going to work. And then something I appreciate is Brad shares with us what is something that took him the longest to learn. And personally, I think it's such wonderful advice. But before we get into that, guys, I just want to mention to you that this episode is brought to you by CareStack. In this episode, you're going to hear Dr. Dykstra talk about CareStack, how he utilizes it and so forth. I just want to let you know that don't forget you get a free 10-day trial if you decide to go with CareStack. I mean, they will successfully convert and migrate all of your data from whatever existing practice management software you have 
to CareStack if you do decide to go with them. But you get a free 10-day trial if you want to try it out. You know, if you're like, hey, I've heard about CareStack. I want to see what they're all about. Go ahead in the show notes below. It's the first link in the show notes below. You can um, ask them to give you a free 10-day trial. And from that point on, you can check it out. And if you do like CareStack from that point on after your free 10-day trial, then don't forget you also get 10% off your annual subscription plus 50% off your setup fee just for being a listener of this podcast. So go to lp.carestack.org forward slash the dental marketer or just go in the show notes below. It's the first link in the show notes below. Alrighty, guys, without further delay, here is Dr. Bradley Dykstra. Bradley, how's it going? It's going great. Having a good day. That's good. That's good to hear. Really quick, tell the listeners, where are you located? I'm located in Hudsonville, Michigan, which is near Grand Rapids, which is in Western Michigan, close to Lake Michigan, my favorite place. Nice. Do you do a lot of fishing out there or no? Uh, no, I'm more of a sailor. I've done, I've been sailing for many, many years, although just last two years ago, we sold our sailboat. But no, I've done many sailboat races from Chicago, Illinois to Mackinac Island, many across Lake Michigan, back and forth. So I, I love the big lake. Wow. So you, you race then? Yeah. Well, of course. <laughs> You're like, of course. Do you have any like championships, trophies or anything like that or no? Oh, yeah. We have two strings of flags that go from the top of the mast down. My wife made me take most of the trophies and plaques to my office here at work because she didn't want any more in the house. Oh, I got one room in the house. Wow. Hey, honestly, Brad, like for anybody listening, like, that ain't no joke selling. Like, I think it was a month ago, I was in San Francisco and uh, we were on a boat and I saw the guy, a sailboat. It took, I mean, we all had to participate in it. You know what I mean? Like having to pull it up and, and tie it around and do all these things. And Oh, yeah. It always looks so idyllic in pictures, which it can be if you're leisurely sailing. <laughs> but if you're racing, it's, it's all work. I can only imagine like... Has it ever happened where you've fallen off? No. The only emergency that even in a storm, Michael, the only emergency is if someone falls off the boat. That's why at night or most of the times we are attached to the boat with tellers. And uh-huh. we wear our life vests at night and fall weather gear. No, it's, it's not pretty if you fall off a boat in the middle of Lake Michigan in the middle of the night. Yeah, that'd be, you're right, emergency situation. Okay. That's good to know. That's really, really good. To know. Okay. So Brad, if you can tell the listeners, tell ourselves, uh, tell us a little bit about your past, your present. How'd you get to where you are today? All right. So, well, uh, I'll keep the beginning very short, but I grew up on a farm in the country and I learned two things. The job is not done until it's done correctly. And it's never about putting in time. It's about getting the job done. And that carried over well for me in dentistry. Because then it was like never about putting in the time. It's about getting the job done. And if you don't do it right the first time, you get to do it over. So those were good lessons I learned. But actually, I graduated from University of Michigan Dental School in 1978. I graduated when I was five years old. And then I moved to to Hudsonville. I started the practice from scratch and just slowly grew it. We started with two rooms. We ended with six rooms in that office. And in 1994, I moved to a new, much larger building, which over the years, we went from eight ops here till now we've taken over the whole building. 
in this one. And we have 14 adult rooms, eight pedo rooms. Also at about 212, we acquired our first practice, 215, I believe our second, 2019, our third, just before COVID, that was very smart. And then last year in September, we added a practice. October, we added a practice. November, we did a records purchase. And mid-December, we added another practice. So this year, we've been very much digesting things. We actually formed a, an official DSO in, I believe, 2018. And now, so we have next to our main clinic building, we have some administrative offices. So we have a full-time HR person and centralized insurance and counsel, that good kind of stuff. Engagements, we call our call center, our engagement center. I like that engagement center. So you centralize. So is that like, does the engagement center have, for example, if I'm calling the third practice or the fifth practice, right? It would all go to the engagement center? Pretty much. Um, Like if we just acquire an office, if possible, we have the calls still go there for a while. But in the end, even all the offices, if they're closed, they, they come to the engagement center because some of our offices are only work open Monday through Wednesday, Monday through Thursday. Engagement center probably handles about 80% of the calls. Got Which frees up the people in the offices to deal with the person right in front of them. Okay. I like that. I like that a lot. So in total, how many practices do you have? Now, now we have seven. Seven practices. Man, I feel like after COVID, it kind of just started like, I mean, snowballing, right? Yeah. I mean, it, you know, we've been looking, you know, half looking the last several years. And in our area, there just wasn't much available. And then all of a sudden, the floodgates open and it's like, well, okay, let's take a leap. And so far, we've made it. What's involved in your looking? Like, what's the criteria? that you look for in a practice that you're going to purchase? Yeah. Okay. It's getting more, more particular. If they have just paper charts and nothing digital, we won't even look at it. Mm -hmm. Other than maybe a records purchase, because we're going to have to do all new records anyway. So I like some technology, like at least digital radiography of some sort, a practice management system, even if they're not using it for their clinical notes. They still do that in their paper chart. But if all their work shows up on the Dentrix or EagleSoft, something like that. The smallest we've gone is four operatories, but we have some smoothed out of that building. So minimum now of five to six operatories. And something that's becoming more and more important to us is really good visibility. The first practice we bought was in a small professional building with three other general practitioners way back on the side street. Well, in about two years, we moved that to a much more obvious visual place where people go by all the time. And Mike, I'm sure in your world, you understand the importance of visibility today. (laughs) So we want good visibility. If the real estate is available, that's fine. If it's not, that's fine. But some degree of technology is good. And for two reasons, not just because it costs a lot to put it all in, but if the staff that in the office you're acquiring 
if they're not used to it and you introduce that, that freaks them out even more and they're probably gone. So I like that. Okay. So mainly what it sounds like is the digital, the technology has to be at least to a certain level, right? Um, when it comes to the criteria, what you're looking for. I've always been very early on in technology from digital radiography early. I spent several years speaking for CareStream at the time on digital radiography, intraoral digital photography. I had a lot of fun with that. So I was an early adopter there. We went to complete digital records in 2002, which was really a blessing because when our office burned down in 2008, we really didn't lose anything. We had good offsite backups and our front desk was operational in another location in a day and a half. And we were seeing patients there a week later. Wow. And if we had not had digital records, that would be curtains. Yeah. What was the situation with the office burned down? Do you, did you, do you guys know what, what happened there? Um, I'm not at liberty to say other than something in the sterilization area. Gotcha. gotcha. And, and the ironic the ironic thing, if you just let me ramble a minute, Michael, um, <laughs> I actually had left the office on Tuesday. I went down to New Orleans to speak at their dental meeting on digital radiography and that kind of thing. And just talking somewhat about the safety of that and digital records. And then I went to Phoenix for a lab advisory committee that I was on. And my job there was to talk about the ITERO, the digital scanner. So. While I was there just before I was ready to talk about the digital scanner, I get a call and it was my daughter who said, um, just so you know, the office is burning down. <laughs> and I said, well, did anybody get hurt? No. So, okay, we'll deal with it when we get home. So then it was my turn to go in and give my little talk. And then I said, all right, digital scanners are great. Now just after a few things, I said, just imagine if you have all these crowns ready to cement and your office burns down. Think of the inconvenience for the patient. You're going to have to have them come back in, reanesthetize, take new impressions, and they're in temporaries much longer. I said, no, all I have to do is identify which ones they were, let the lab know, they'll remill the crowns, and no hiccups. Yeah. So for me, technology has been wonderful yeah life-saving i mean like it's it saved your the, oh. the practice oh it, i can't imagine the mess we would have had had we not had everything digital and good off-site backups because we had had everything digital radiographs for well over 10 years and the records for at least six so and i'm not going to say it wasn't a degree of anxiety and stress at the top time because yeah it was. Like, yeah, yeah. We, we made it work and we came out stronger because of it. Now, today, what are some things that you've completely transitioned to or changed when it comes to digital technology? Well, uh, first thing I'll say that I don't think there's one thing that we do like we did when I got out of dental school. <laughs> so, so now in, in the digital world, though, I mean, yeah, radiography, records, um, We've had digital scanners, of course, for years. And with our software, we can do texting in and out. So we have it if the engagement center doesn't answer the call, a text goes out that somebody will be back with them in five to 10 minutes. 
So a lot of our patient communication is that way. Online scheduling, we're getting firmly into that. Online or text to pay, uh, we're reinstituting <laughs> voice activated perio charting, which will write right into our perio charts and our software. And soon we'll have, we're looking at a couple different artificial intelligence programs that will actually digitally read the x-rays, um, point out highlight suspicious areas, document in bone loss, all that good stuff. So that that's what we're into right now. Awesome. So when it comes to this, what are you using or is it different uh, softwares that you're utilizing or how's this working? Yeah, no, we, we use CareStack. We're one of their early adopters. We've been using it, I believe, since January of 2018. And most of the stuff is either part of the program or integrates with it. Okay, okay. Why did you decide to go with, I mean, being an early adopter for like a, a new technology is kind of risky, no? Yes, and yes, and yes. For several years, I was on the bleeding edge. And then after several years of that, I thought, okay, I'm going to drop back and be on the leading edge, not the bleeding edge. But no, we were forced actually to make a change in our software because we were on another software, which was cloud-based also, but each database from each office was different, which was, so we had to have all our tabs open, one for each office. But mm -hmm. the reason we had to switch was because they could no longer handle our clinical notes. We'd put one more clinical note in and then it would crash or just wouldn't save it, which is not good when you can't save your notes. <laughs> so the short-term solution, they archive some old stuff, but pretty soon they had to do that every month or two, which was unacceptable. So then we said, okay, we looked around for something that was totally built from the ground up, cloud-based, and we, vetted about three different, three different companies. What we looked for was as much as possible to get everything under one roof or everything in one program as possible. And who had a good vision for the future and who seemed to be interested in us. And we felt we'd have great customer service. <laughs> gotcha. And so CareStack is the one that kind of checked all those boxes for you guys. Yeah, it, it really did, especially I met with, with Abby and Kevin Cook and their founder, several people, and just the vision they had for it just was like, okay, being kind of an early adopter, this was a good vision because most of the other softwares at the time, I mean, everything had to be added on. So you have like four or five different programs that you had to be running to get the information you want. And then if they do an update in one, then it might not talk to the others for a while. So we wanted to try and avoid that. Yeah. A lot of subscriptions, a lot of things happening when, when, when it's always add-on, Yeah. And, and their vision was, okay, get rid of all those subscriptions, have it all part of one system. Yeah. And so every single one of your practices right now, their practice management software is CareStack? Yes. And the last four we bought all started out as Dentrix. So we have learned, we've learned Dentrix. But the thing is, we would, to this point, which we made do differently going forward, we would let them keep their current software for three months. So we had time to create sandboxes for them, teach them new software and stuff. But yeah. it just, it, it's really hard because we couldn't really service their phones at all because otherwise we have to 
remote into their server. And that that's just not practical in this day and age. So what I love with CareStack is we can, I can run any report on any provider. I can look at all the patients at once. I can look at things by office, by provider, by organization. And it just makes it so easy to see what you're doing. Yeah. It's all like, and, and centralized, do you know what I mean? Like what, what, what you can do. Yeah. yeah. If you don't, if you, you know, I don't know how an engagement center would work if, if you're on all different softwares, because think of all the different programs, then the, the employees would need to learn here. They need to know what, when the phone call comes in, they can see what office they're calling. And that's all figured out by phone numbers or whatever. That's way beyond me, but they know what office they're calling. So they know how to answer. If though the patient is in one office and we want to go to another office, it really doesn't matter because it's the same chart. All right, guys, you saw how CareStack can do wonderful things. I mean, Dr. Dykstra is using it for his multiple practices, for his DSOs, right? So you can too. CareStack is especially made for those who have or plan to have multiple practices. So instead of having to get EagleSoft for one practice and then EagleSoft for your second practice, et cetera, all you have to do is get CareStack and you have a cloud-based practice management software for all your locations. And this is going to decrease the overhead per office. It's going to ensure consistent performance. It's going to automate operational tasks and improve the profitability of your practice. I mean, you'll be able to know what's happening in each practice whenever. So go to lp.carestack.org forward slash the dental marketer. That's again, lp.carestack.org forward slash the dental marketer for a free 10 day trial. And you'll also get 10% off your annual subscription plus 50% off your setup fee if you decide to go with them after your free 10-day trial. So go in the show notes below. It's going to be the first link in the show notes below. Check them out first, test them. And if you like what they do, they do all that data conversion and migration for you for free. And since you're a listener, they'll also give you 10% off your annual subscription plus 50% off your setup fee. So make sure to use the link below. All right, let's get back to the episode. If we can rewind a little bit here, Brad, and you talked about how around in 1994, you moved to a larger building. Has the vision always been for you, multiple practices, I want to do all this? Or was it, I mean, was it even having your own practice? Like what, what, when you were in dental school, what was the vision? I grew up in the olden days. So my vision was to start my own practice. I knew yeah. that's what I wanted. And even in 94, I had no idea I wanted to do anything more. I knew I just needed a newer, more efficient and a little larger facility. And I want it big enough to take in one associate. So if I'm gone, the whole office doesn't have to shut down. That was the beginning. But what really started the process of thinking more about growing and adding was in the early 2000s when I was traveling the country speaking for CareStream, mm-hmm. Kodak at the time, but CareStream now. There were so many, especially older dentists, who just, they couldn't figure out why they should do this. They didn't want to invest anything in their practices. But what would happen is they got older, the patients would start drifting away because they didn't think the practice would be there much longer. The team members start started disappearing. And to me, those practices would become pretty much unsaleable because if somebody buys it and they're getting out of school and they're used to technology, by the time you buy the practice and 
all the technology and then have to teach the staff how to use it. It's like, that's not so bright. So the point I always tried to make is, Hey, you invest in the stuff while the team is there. The team will then accept it. At least then you'll have something much more saleable, but a lot of people didn't get it. Long story short, that made me think, okay, I don't want to go that route. So what are my options? So I decide, okay, what my goal is and my vision, which is why I'm still doing this today. <laughs> I want to create stable dental homes for the doctors, all the team members and the patients, all equally important because all three are totally important. So if you're going to create stable dental homes, you have to grow a little bit. You have to start adding a couple more doctors, a couple more people. <laughs> and so that. That's how it goes. But it's like, I just saw too many older practices and, and some I've looked at in the last couple of years too. These, these dentists just have done nothing. They're in a little free treatment room office that's old, no technology, nothing, and hardly any patients left. It's like after their life's work, they have nothing to show for. It. So I just wanted this entity, whatever I was going to create to well outlast I wanted to, to function well and to grow well past when I can be there. The last 15 months, about 14, I, I have stopped working at the chair clinically completely. A few years before that, I went from three days to two and two for a couple of years, but it was, it was just time. Yeah. Well, congrats, man. You, so you've officially stopped working clinically in the chair. You're now just, what would you say? You're overseeing everything or? I, I'm trying to. I mean, it, yeah, the, we, I think there's 12 or 13 docs, about 100 employees total and seven locations. So there, there's a lot of moving pieces, Michael. A lot of moving pieces. Wow. When, when you started this process, right, and you, you mentioned, you know, without, I guess, adding, you know, technology, new innovations, things like that, team members started disappearing and everything like that. Have you ever encountered when you did add something team members not adopting it well they kind of didn't want to accept it they're like no we've always done it this way that's been very rare mm. there was one time when we went from conventional writing in our records to using all the clinical notes and stuff i thought i was going to lose two mm. i was expecting two to walk hygienists of course um but to my surprise when i said okay this is what we're going to do. This is the plan of how we're going to do it. And this is our timeline. They hung in there and after a while, they would never want to go back either. But have there been some, when we did change software, when we had to, um, I think there might've been one or two that just said, that's enough. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So right now, the 100 employees that you have are a little over 100 employees in total. What systems have you created, Brad, where you're like, it's easier to manage these? Because I feel like, well, would you say that's one of the biggest, like, not headaches, but one of the biggest, um, you know, things to deal with is like team management employees? Yes, but I have a really good administrative team. And over the years, we have developed policies, protocols, systems, and we actually just instituted a new position in the last week or two. And this was a person who was director of assisting, but she knew the front and back very well. So she's going to be 
do full-time training, both onboarding and process confirmation of the different people in the different offices. Wow. So her job is like to make sure people know what, what their, I guess, job description is. Like, this is what you got to be doing. Kind of yeah. Thing. I mean, the, okay. Yeah. The, this is the job. This is how you do it. This is what you do. And so, you know, onboarding takes a couple of weeks to get them started, but then we need to do follow-ups, but then her, eventually her role will be with the new people and then just checking in like with the office managers and stuff and make sure the office managers know how to deal with all the people in their offices. I'm not going to say it's easy, but over the last number of years, we do have a lot of stuff pretty well documented. We sort of have probably systems for everything, maybe a few too many, and they're not complex. They're just, just basic. Yeah. That's good. What, what would you say for you, if, if, if you were to give our listeners, like, you must have these systems in place, but like how it, what's the unique system that you've created for your practice? I guess you would say that like with it, you can start seeing the needle move. Well, there's a couple systems that you are hard to get people to do, but are mission critical. And that is correct appointment scheduling. We spend a lot of time on that, but we're going to online scheduling. So that will use that, but also financial conversations, you know, like actually asking people for the money that they owe you when they come in and, you know, we try and say, okay, you don't, you don't go to the grocery store and walk out without paying. Just, you don't say, send me a bill. Well, some people think, oh, well, dental offices are different. Just send me a bill. So getting good financial arrangement systems is yeah, that and scheduling. Those are the two key things. And, and the third thing that we spend a lot of time with them on is proper verbiage, <laughs> because that can make such a difference because it's either, okay, Mrs. Jones, the doctor recommended that you have a crown and tooth number four, would you like next Tuesday or Wednesday for that appointment? And then the person will usually say Tuesday or Wednesday, or neither of those days work. How about Thursday? But many want to just say, Michael, they want to say, would you like to schedule that crown? Hmm. When you say, would you like to? The answer generally is no. So it's the soft skills that are really important. So those are the systems that we work on. Gotcha. It's in the details when it comes to uh, the verbiage, it sounds like, right? Well, to me, every word is important. The order of the words is important and how the words are said are all important. Hmm. That's true because, I mean, you probably know this, but like when you try and convey something, uh, especially to your wife or something, it's, it's like you're saying it and the words are what, you know, facts but then when you're the tone of it is like oh that that wasn't nice and i'm like oh i'm sorry you know well so the tone is 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 really really yeah, the tone your your body language yeah i like that okay awesome so then when it comes to scaling practices brad and this is a question we've gotten a lot the audience ask is like they open up their first practice it's easy or not easy but it, they go through the the hardships of it and then now it's growing so they're like, okay, we have a template. Let's open up the second one. And then lo and behold, the second and the template that they have does not work as well as they thought it did. 
Oh, you are so wise, Michael. What you can do, and our first couple acquisitions, we were terrible. We didn't know how to onboard them. We didn't. So we, we'd learned, but it's like anything. The first time you do something, you're probably not going to do it well. Second time, you might do it better. And I mean, it's, I don't care if it's learning to sail, learning to golf, whatever. Not too many people start out at the top. So, but if you don't start, you're not going to grow, but it's basic systems. Okay. This is our financial system. This is how we answer the phone. These are how we do our notes. That part you can make pretty consistent, but each office does to a degree have its own culture. And we've learned the hard way trying to make everybody more the same. And we're going back more to in-office stuff, again, using the same systems, but recognizing each location, each office has its own flavor. So you put up guardrails, but not so narrow that they can't be themselves either. Gotcha. I like that. Put up guardrails. So where do we go wrong here? Whenever we're, I mean, sometimes... Do you think it's, I mean, some people go into the details, Brad, where they're like, should we give it the same name? Should it be a different name? You know what I mean? All these things. What should we be concerned about? What should we not even like, all right, the name, it doesn't matter that much. You know, what should we not be concerned about? Well, all right. Well, but no, actually the names are an interesting thing because our first two practices, we, you know, we had the original and then the second one, we chose the name, but then with the third practice, we started to say, okay, now that's well, when we formed our DSO. And, and so then all the newer practices are all my smiles, dental, and then the location like Ionia or Grand Haven or Cascade or Grand Rapids Southeast. And the reason for that is because our marketing person is yes. like, Okay, in our geographic area, we're all within 30, 40 miles of each other. So the, the name recognition really helps with, with the marketing. Gotcha. And, so, and we wanted to have some sort of a, a brand, but, you know, then the last part would be, you know, the city or village that it's in. So it's very descriptive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For the marketing purposes. So the brand is the same. The name, only the change changes because of the city. But the inside of the practice, the culture, it's not the same, right? No. It, okay, I will say it's not. Culture, I would define it as the way we treat every patient, the way we talk with the patients, and the way we treat each other in the office. So those are... To me, that that's the culture. You're you're either, oh, yeah, I don't want to go into my lunch, so I will. I'll tell that patient the emergency they can't come in, <laughs> or it's like, oh, this person calls in the morning and they're in pain. So one of our things is, you call by noon. We will do our best to get you in that afternoon. You know, not necessarily long definitive treatment, but at least take a look, see what's going on, and advice of the next steps. So to me, that's patient-centered culture. So those things, Michael, we do like to have to the closest we can in each office. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So the thing that you want to create its own, 
is the way I guess like the personalities of the employees or, or what do yeah. you know? Well, I, I think how they interact with each other, because if you're in a rural town and I grew up in a rural town, but if you're in a rural town versus a big city, I don't want to say people are different, but they are a little bit, Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, different things are important. You know, a smaller town, people generally are more involved in the community. They know more of the patients because their neighbors, friends, they go to school with them, sporting stuff with them, which in the big city, you don't have that same kind of connections, I'll say. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So then things like that, right, are, are the differences that you want to see in the practice when you walk in. You want to feel it, right? You, want to, you almost want to walk into the practice and feel like the city kind of thing. I mean, like the town. You're yeah. Like, okay. This is Grand Rapids. This is some other town, right? And this, so I get you. And that example that we built a new office in Grand Haven, which is right on Lake Michigan, right next to it, not in the water. And that's Coast Guard City, USA. And it's a very nautical area. I mean, you know, the Great Lake, Lake Michigan is a big thing. <laughs> so that you walk in and it's like the whole ambiance is very nautical. I mean, it, it just fits there where that would not fit in some of the other places. Got you. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So then throughout this process, Brad, from, I guess from 1994 all the way till today, if you can kind of like two or three that point out to you, what's been your biggest struggle, fail or pitfall? Biggest struggle pitfall is, I'll just say what took me the longest to learn is to be a nicer person. I don't want to say I wasn't nice, but I took myself and everything way too seriously. And I think that was a pitfall. Whereas in the latter years, I took my work very seriously. I could laugh at myself. And my goal was with every patient I was with, they had to they better have laughed two to five times. That was the hardest thing for me to learn. Now, some of the younger docs, they're like, all right, we have to get you to lighten up a little bit. Why do you think that is, Brad? Why do you think that took you? Well, actually, why were you so serious? We are here to do dentistry. If we're going to be here, we need to be as efficient as possible. So quite directive, high expectations, which there's nothing wrong with any of those things, which we still sort of have, but you can do it kind of being kind of tense or much more relaxed. Hmm. I don't know how old you are, my friend, but time tends, I think, to mellow people to a degree. You see really what's more important than what you might've thought. That's a good lesson right there. That's that's really different from like, you know what I mean? When other people are like, oh, my biggest pitfall was, you know, other things. But to be a nicer person. Now, did you feel like your team didn't see you as nice or the employee? I mean, the patients didn't see you that nice or everybody saw you nice, but you just didn't feel nice to yourself. Um, you know, I'm not really sure I can honestly answer that. I, again, it was just a slow process. In, in the beginning, even not so many years ago, when we would have a new assistant start and work with me because I had high expectations and my reputation preceded me. Many of them the first week or two would somehow end up at 
in tears sometime during the day. And it mm-hmm. wasn't even anything that I did or said was probably how I might look at them. That was my, probably my biggest downfall or struggle there because now some of my long-term people are like, you've changed. These people have it way too good. And I think though our society has gone through periods of sometimes they need a little more pushing and sometimes they need a little more enticing. And I think where our world is right now, probably enticing works better than pushing. Asking instead of telling. Hmm. I like that. Sometimes, do you feel like that also correlates with patience? A little bit more pushing, a little bit more enticing? To a degree. But you want to ask, do you want to come in next Monday or next Tuesday? Because I also am a firm believer that if somebody calls the office, they want to be seen. That means they have something going on. So better find out what that is. And then when they come in, they don't really want a menu of you could do one of 10 things. You could do this or this or this. No, they come to us as professionals. They might want to know what their top options are. But number one, they want to know what your best recommendation is. An example would be this tooth need a root canal. Or if we don't do that, it could possibly be a bridge or we could put it in flat. So you can say we're sort of, okay, you have those three choices, right? But if you were my brother-in-law or my mom, if you're my mom or my daughter or my grandkid, this is what I would recommend for you. They can still choose to have it out and what, whatever, but I do think they come for our best opinion. You know, if you have brain cancer, you're going to want the guy or girl to give you the best recommendation they have, right? So I don't see dentistry as any different. Gotcha, gotcha. Man, that's really insightful. Brett, thank you so much for being with us. It was a pleasure. But before we say goodbye, can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes. Our website is MI for Michigan or my, but MI Smiles Dental Group com and my email is dr as in doctor last name dykstra d-y-k-s-t-r-a so it's dr dykstra at my smiles dental group.com awesome so guys that's all going to be in the show notes below reach out to brad and brad thank you so much for being with us it was a pleasure and we'll hear from you soon thank you it's my pleasure Thank you guys so much for tuning into that episode. And Brad, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. We truly appreciate it. We appreciate you opening up and letting me be nosier, diving deeper into your business and your life. Guys, like I said, this episode is brought to you by CareStack. So if you are interested in CareStack, make sure you go in the show notes below. It's going to be the first link in the show notes below. You get a free 10-day trial. And you'll also get 10% off your annual subscription plus 50% off your set of fees. So go on the show notes below. Check them out first. Like I said, you you have nothing to lose. You have nothing to lose. You can just try them out for 10 days. See if you like them. See if they're a good fit for you. If you've been thinking to go cloud-based, now's the time to do it, right? And then from that point on, if you're like, you know what? I love them. I love CareStack. I love everything they're doing for me. I like uh, this specific system. I like this specific uh, thing that they're utilizing for reviews, for online forms, for online appointments, for contactless payments, for insurance verification. I like their business analytics. Then 
Don't forget, you also get 10% off your annual subscription plus 50% off your setup fee. So make sure you use the link below, guys. Or if you want, if you're listening right now and you want to write it down, it's lp.carestack.org forward slash the dental marketer. Thank you so much for tuning in. I truly appreciate it. And I'll talk to you in the next episode.